enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this episode is brought to you by Prevenex. This is the supplement brand that I use and trust and have trusted for a while now. Most importantly for me is the Joint Health Plus. I love this stuff and just frankly, not only is it scientifically proven, but it's also anecdotally proven from so many of the runners who use Prevenex, include not, you know, I would say including myself, but not just myself. There's a whole roster of runners that use Prevenex. They love it. I love it. And I know that if you try it, you will love it too. So go to Prevenex.com and use code RUNNER15, that's R-U-N-N-E-R 15, to save 15% on your first purchase. So this episode, we're going way back to episode 17 for a return guest, Alyssa Kaufman. I couldn't wait to get Alyssa back on the podcast because she has been battling some serious injuries over the past year and a half. So she was on the show about two and a half years ago, and she had just at that point run a 304 at CIM, and it was a great comeback story. And wouldn't you know it, having her back on the episode this time, it's just another comeback story and an even more remarkable one. And I couldn't wait to get her on because like so many people, she has been really battling injuries. And that process of getting back to full health, especially after so much time away and uncertainty in different diagnoses is just a tough battle for so many people. And I know that you'll be able to relate to this. Well, I shouldn't say I know you will. I Hopefully you can't relate to this. Hopefully you've never been injured in your life, but probably you have. So you'll be able to relate to a lot of what she's saying in this episode. So without further ado, here is my episode with Alyssa Kaufman. Hello, Alyssa, and welcome back to the show. Hello. Hi, Matt. It's good to be back. I'll tell you what, we were just talking about this. It's been two years and three months, and it does not feel like that in some ways. It feels like (laughs) it was so much sooner than that. In some ways, it also late 2017 feels like a lifetime ago. I don't know how you feel about how time can kind of like lengthen and contract, but it's hard to believe sometimes that that was that long ago. I know. Yeah. Well, my past year went by pretty slowly, but it still feels like. It wasn't that long ago that CIM 2017 happened, but yeah, hard to believe that's my last marathon PR. (laughs) And so that was actually episode 17, super early on for the Rambling Runner podcast. And in that episode, we actually, you know, this is when I did episode titles before I kind of ran out of creativity and said, all right, I can't do any more episode titles. I just ran out. (laughs) I wasn't able to do it anymore. Um, Oh, yeah. The the title for the podcast was actually from... You know, Alyssa Kaufman from 404 to 304. And it was something that, you know, a lot of people were excited about because that kind of some growth and um, cutting down a time from, you know, a full hour in the marathon was so inspiring. And also in 2017, you know, we're going to talk a lot about injuries today. But even in that year, you would come back from an injury earlier in the summer, you know, to, to, you know, that, that was really hamstringing you at some points, And then we're able to really come back and have the race of your life at CIM. Yeah, I was. Um, I had a stress fracture in my femur during that year. And I didn't know at the time that I ran the Boston Marathon with it. But um, 
I decided to go for it anyway, and it was kind of a disaster, and that's what the 404 was. Um, I found out after the fact what was actually going on, and then um, with lots of rest and <laughs> um, then lots of building back up, I ran the 304 at CIM, so that was kind of a good comeback moment for me there. <laughs> Yeah, you were so excited, and at that point, from what I remember, you know, not only in our conversations, you know, on the podcast, but just you know, shooting messages back and forth, and and you were, you know, you you've talked about this openly as well that you you know had bigger goals than that. You're like, you know, let's let's go and break three, and you have you know a whole a whole group of friends where you live in Southern California who are all you know, dedicated athletes who are constantly working hard and your group of running friends is so close knit. It, it really is fun to watch all of you doing, doing fun things and really excelling. But at that time, it seemed like for you, you'd kind of gotten past the leg issues and kind of viewed the future as like, Hey man, anything is possible. And you know, is that, you know, looking back on it now, is that kind of how you were approaching that time in your life? Oh yeah. Um, right after CIM, I had, um, you know, I took my downtime and all, but I, I did try to run another marathon pretty soon after, which probably wasn't my best choice looking back. But um, since my buildup for CIM was so short because of the injury, I thought, well, what if I actually got to keep going? But it was I was just fatigued and it turned out to be a 310. So I kind of took a step back then and decided to do like half marathons and, you know, I did a Ragnar relay team or with my team, with my running friends and, you know, was kind of having fun with running at the time and trying to PR shorter distances. Um, I decided not to run another marathon till the following fall. So I was really, um, I kind of took a step back on the breaking three thing and thought, okay, I'll try some shorter stuff. And I was doing really well in my uh, half marathons and everything, and I was just having a really good time with it. Um, but yeah, the sub three dream was still alive. I was thinking, okay, maybe by fall. Um, I started actually working with a coach for the first time, which I never had. And yeah, things were looking pretty good at that time um, in like, mm, like spring of 2018, I was running really well. So yeah, but then you, we all know <laughs> things can change. <laughs> so what was the, what was the first sign for you that, um, you know, that things were maybe going in the wrong direction from an injury perspective? Um, I had little signs here and there. Like I had a lower abdominal pain a little bit. Um, I it started a little bit after in uh, early April after Ragnar relay, and um, we were thinking maybe I just like didn't stretch because I would like we'd run these legs in the middle of the night, and I would run like sub seven paces and then jump in a van and curl up in the fetal position and fall asleep for like six hours. So <laughs> um, I might have started the injury process by doing that or we don't know. But I was like, my lower abs were kind of hurting and I'd never felt some pain like that. But I, um, I paced a half marathon the week after that and felt okay. And then I ran um, Revel Mount Charleston at the end of April and um, did pretty well there. And... I had been training a lot with Maria Bettencourt, who I don't know what episode she was, 16 or <laughs> um, she was on your show, but I was training really hard for Rock and Roll San Diego with her. And I don't know, I 
I was running, still hitting my paces, but I don't know, something just like didn't feel quite right. Um, and finally, I was having a little bit of like groin issues around July of that year, right after Rock and Roll San Diego, and was like, okay, I've been injured before really bad, so I'm going to get this taken care of. I'm going to get an MRI, and I'm going to see what's going on. So um, in July, I saw the doctor, and my MRI came back with, oh, you have inflammation, like, and I'm, you know, that was the green light for me. You know, runners, we don't want to stop training, and uh, I had finally committed to an October marathon, so I thought, inflammation? Like, I'm fine. That's that's good. And I look back on my mistakes now and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I wish I had taken that even more seriously. But, you know, I I think that when we're so set on these goals, you know, sometimes we are hoping for the answer. Like, I had a stress fracture before. I could deal with inflammation, you know, type thing. So did they, did they say what was the potential cause of the inflammation or was it just, Hey, this is what's going on and kind of, you know, feel it out and run at your own, your own, not run at your own pace, but kind of like, all right, like just, this is kind of a pain management issue and just kind of deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My doctor was never very specific, which is why I eventually found a new doctor. Um, <laughs> and I love doctors. My dad's a doctor. I'm not even saying anything bad about doctors, but, um, I don't know if he understood the extent to how I wanted to train, you know. I wasn't just like, you know, doing my morning three-mile jog every day. Like, I wanted to train. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I didn't get really a specific answer until, like, things got worse. <laughs> and I should have trusted my own instinct. I'm not blaming anyone else. But, you know, sometimes my heart is a little bit stronger than my head. <laughs> So we got that news that, all right, nothing that big of a deal. It's just inflammation. Did you change anything moving forward or you just take that as a green light? Um, I did a little bit. I mean, probably not as much. I started, I went to the pool a couple days a week to do my swimming instead. At the time I had a coach who was awesome. Um, she's a professional runner, Tara Welling, and she understands she's had stress fractures and you know, she was like, take it easy whenever you need to. So I would go to the pool when I needed to. And, you know, I would do whatever I could if something was feeling off. But sometimes I would just gut out things that I probably shouldn't have. Um, but I would think like, oh, you know, I looked and there's no issue. So I, I don't know. But it turned out I wasn't being properly diagnosed at the time. Um, I only had the MRI on one side of my hip, and it turns out that the problem I needed a full pelvic MRI to find out the plethora of things that were going on. <laughs> and when were when did you have that done? Okay, it's really this. This was like a saga. So um, I finally um, in August of 2018 is when I went on a group run and it was a fun run for one of our, uh, it was one of my Ragnar teammates birthdays and she had a fun little run from her house and a little brunch. And I swear by mile four, I was like, something's wrong with my back. Like we were running easy. It wasn't like some kind of workout. But I was like, 
my back's really hurting. Like, this is not normal. I've never had back pain like that. And so I gutted it out um, like I do, stupidly, like I did, stupidly, not anymore. <laughs> um, but to get to my car, and I saw, <laughs> I was just saw my friends getting further and further away from me. I just like was having a lot of trouble keeping up. And then, of course, my friend Erin, who you've probably seen a lot of on my Instagram, um, <laughs> she turned around because she knew something was wrong to come get me. And finally, I just was I, like the tears fell. I was like, something's wrong. <laughs> and I could barely stand on one side after that day. So that's when I finally decided, okay, there was a lot more going on than inflammation. Something really serious just happened. And... Um, the next MRI I got was just on my back. So they found out that I had fractured, had a stress fracture in my sacrum, which is the bone right above your tailbone that holds your pelvis together in the back. So I had somehow fractured that. And um, yeah, that was a blow, you know, but in my head, I was like, okay, I had a stress fracture before. And I came back and I'm going to be fine. So this is just going to be like eight weeks or whatever they say. <laughs> so I'm just, I was going to jump in there just real quick. All right. So that's in August. You get the stress fracture in your sacrum. Uh-huh. And at that point, are you still thinking that you can cross train your way to the marathon or is the marathon off the table at that point? Ooh, I cross trained. As much as I could, but at that point, yeah, I, I had I knew in my heart there was no way. I had done a marathon hurt before, and I wasn't going to waste my time with it. And um, if I couldn't give the effort that I wanted to give, I was okay with just doing another one. I didn't think I'd be out as long as I actually was, but I thought, I'll have another shot at another race. And I was still at this point like, I'll be fine. I've done this before. <laughs> okay. So overall, obviously like you were bummed about the injury, but overall you were, you weren't like, you were pretty positive. It sounds like about your ability to, to rebound from this. Yeah. When I thought it was just a stress fracture, which we will learn there was more going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, 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 so let's talk about that then. Okay. So you're, you got the eight weeks. What does a, um, a sacrum, you know, a stress fracture in your sacrum mean in regards to, you know, during that eight weeks, what can you do? What can't you do? What kind of PT were you up to and, and things of that nature? Well, when I had it, the doctor didn't even order PT for me because he said, you need to be couch potato. You have fracture in basically the center of your body. And um, <laughs> this isn't going to heal if you keep exercising. So, um for a while, I mean, he did say, you know, kind of swimming might be okay. Just like try not to kick and don't push off the wall. So I was doing that for a while and um, I still had to work was the main problem because I work on my feet all day and bending. Yeah, let's, ta let's talk about that because that's, I want, I would figure that like at some point we were going to get to that because yeah. this is <laughs> like one of those things where we could talk about exercise and PT but you don't have an office job where you can just sit all day if you need to. Like, let's talk about what you do for your work and what the kind of physical demands that plays um, on your body. Okay. So I'm a waitress and a bartender at a really, really busy restaurant. And um, 
we kind of run a skeleton crew. We hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, we probably have like three servers on at one time running the whole restaurant. It's one of those places. I love it for that reason so much, but when you're injured, it's not that good of a situation. Um, and as much as I would love to just be able to rest and take time off, uh, this industry is not the best at, uh, paid time off. And, you know, I've known that I've worked in them in this industry for like 18 years. So it's fine. I, I did this before I ran, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a lot of walking. I probably do at least 20,000 steps just at work. And, um, yeah, that's not necessarily the best. So carrying a lot of heavy things and, you know, just doing a lot of activity. So it hurt, <laughs> it hurt a lot at first. And, but I gave it months and months and was like, okay, so I know I have to work. So they said six to eight weeks. So I'm thinking it'll be more like 15 or something. It was the same thing with the femur that took four or five months rather than the eight weeks that they had told me because of work. So I just thought it'll be a little bit extended. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot extended. All right. So you've kind of hinted at the fact that this, the sacrum fracture was not the only thing going on. So at what point did you start getting some clarity as to what else was, was going on in your body? Um, well, my wonderful friend, Erin, who you've probably seen, uh, her name's uh, on Instagram, Erin S. Runner DPT. Um, she is a really awesome physical therapist, and she's also like a weightlifting instructor, 257 marathoner, so she knows what she's doing. She is an amazing athlete in so many ways. Like, that woman is incredible. It just, yeah. So, I mean, she needs to be on this podcast at some point. She blows my mind all the time. Trust me. <laughs> yes. So, but she finally was like, things just kept not progressing. And, you know, she could tell I was frustrated and she was sweet enough to check up on me uh, regularly. And um, finally, uh, you know, she does like adjustments on us after <laughs> like running sometimes. If our hips feel off, she'll kind of you know, give us a little free therapy. But she examined me and was like, you need to come into my office. I'm not sure that, you know, just the fractures, everything that's going on, like sometimes rest, just resting isn't enough for certain injuries. And she really wanted to check, you know, check on me. So she was sweet enough to make space for me uh, at her office and start physical therapy with me because she's seen a lot of sedentary people who think rest is going to make everything go away. But in reality, sometimes you actually need some strength training and exercising to get back function of everything. So um, she saw how weak I was in my adductors and how weak some things had gotten and she had her suspicions about there might be other things going on. So she recommended that I should get another MRI and check everything out on my full entire pelvic region, not just one side, not just my back, like there might be something else going on. So I eventually did that and the results were kind of not the best, but at least she had 
things to work with. All right. So, so, so when was that full MRI? Uh, this was in April or May, I believe, of uh, 2019. <laughs> so it had oh, been. Oh, wow. So it had been almost a year at that point. Yeah, I was really struggling. <laughs> and um, I had signed up for the Chicago Marathon in October of 2018 when I was just like down and out and was like, there's no way I'm still going to be hurt in a year. And <laughs> I'm going to do this and this is going to be epic. But at that time, it was May and or April. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to have time to do this. I need to, like, get results and get an answer right now. And also so Aaron knew what to do to treat me. So that MRI had lots of results that I wasn't expecting. Um. But it was very, very helpful, and I'm really glad I know now because it's the reason that I can run again. So, All right, so let's talk about exactly what it showed. Um, it showed that I had two torn glutes, uh, glute meat, min and glute med on the right side, that the fracture still was um, a little bit there. It was almost healed, but it was still visible that I had a condition called osteitis pubis, which it's kind of like... <laughs> A sensitive region to talk about, but it's a really, really, uh, it's not that common and it's very hard to get rid of. Um, and rest won't do it. It's all about physical therapy and strength training is like the only way to treat it. Um, what else? Gosh, there was a few other things. <laughs> um, but it, that, those were the main problems for sure. Okay. So when you got that diagnosis, what was the prognosis in terms of length of time that it would take you not only to, to, to heal from these, but to get to the point where you'd be able to be healthy enough to resume running an activity in a way that was kind of unencumbered? It was, it's tough to say, um, but the fracture, the one condition required lots of strength training and exercises to get better. And one condition required complete and total rest. Oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> I know. I was just like, what now? So at that point, I finally just said, I have to take time off work. And um, thank God my boss was really, really sweet about it. And, you know, she's very athletic, too. And she understands what it's like when you can't do it. And she was like, that's fine. Do what you need to do. We'll cover you. So for six weeks, I finally was like, if I can tackle healing up the fracture, then I can get on my strength training and figure out all the other stuff. <laughs> so I took time off work, which made me crazy. I haven't taken that long off of work since, oh my gosh, since my son was born 12 years ago. That was <laughs> the longest I've taken off since then, and I went a little nuts not being able to do any exercise, any work. I was on crutches, but it worked. The fracture healed, and I was able to really get on my strength training again. And I will tell you that when I started physical therapy, one of my first exercises was squeezing a pillow between my knees, and I could barely do it without pain. I'm like an 80-year-old. It was sad. <laughs> 
Um, so I've come a really, really long way from that, but I had to start small for sure. All right. So I'm envisioning like, remember like the, you know, infomercials like 20 years ago where they had like the, was it the thigh master? Like the 2 a.m. Oh commercials. Yes, Suzanne Summers. <laughs> yes, yeah, Suzanne Summers, exactly. <laughs> I totally remember that. And it was like that, but with a pillow. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you must be sitting there like, I know this is part of the process, but my goodness, like this is not where I want to be in terms of like your your exactly. own physical development. I know. So Let's just stop here for a second in terms of where, where you were in terms of your recovery. Obviously, it's a good spot because, you know, the stress fracture healed, at least one of them. And, you know, you're able to start progressing with at least some physical activity. And, and you talked about how, how important that is to you. With that said, at that point, you've been, you've been a little injured for over a year and significantly injured for six to nine months. A lot of your friends are really good athletes who love training hard, and you're in that group setting oftentimes, even now, um, very often. What was it like for you being separated from that element that you'd been, you know, had been such a major part of your life for so long? Honestly, that was the hardest part of the whole entire thing. And it's not because of them. They were so sweet and so inclusive. Anytime anything not running related was happening, I was always invited. They were always checking on me. But it's just like, ugh, ouch, you know, when you see all their fun training runs. And it's, it wasn't their fault. I mean, they got to run. They have their goals, and I get it. But, you know, I missed it. <laughs> it was just like you missed the social aspect and – you know, you miss being at the group races. Um, I, I especially hard time was when I had to miss our um, Ragnar SoCal relay, which our team was like number one for like three years in a row. And they defended their title and they did great. But it was like, mm, I wanted really badly. And they tried really hard to accommodate me. Like when I thought maybe I'll be able to do it. They gave me all the short three-mile legs, and they were like, we'd love to have you. So none of it had anything to do with them. They were all the best. They were always so sweet. And, you know, I, of course, was so happy for them anytime an accomplishment would happen. And I even went to a few races. I I went to a half marathon with my friend Jen and uh, cheered her on. And it, it was fun. It was great. But, you know, it, it stings a little. <laughs> Right, because that's the hard part, right? Because it, it, it's you have these wonderful friends who are doing everything they can to include you, but there's nothing that can really bridge the gap, even if they're super proactive. And like, did part of you kind of have like this negative cycle of like just thoughts of like, all right, like I just I want to be doing this. They're trying to help, but this isn't helping, and now I feel bad because they're trying to help me and it's not working. And like, it's just like, I feel like around and around you can go in that situation because like, you don't want to feel negativity and you just want to be appreciative, but you're, that's just not how you feel. And you can't change that necessarily. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it becomes this negative cycle in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. And I'd have good days and bad days. Um, most of the time, you know, I would at least go, I would, towards the, when I was getting rehabbed and starting to get better, I would at least be able to hit a weightlifting class with them or, you know, be involved in some way. But yeah, I was like, it was, it was a tough cycle. <laughs> you, 
they're they're the most positive people in the world and especially Erin was actually doing everything she could to try to get me back on the road so yeah I would feel guilty for feeling like you know upset about not being able to participate when it happens to all of us you know we're we're all on a journey all of us have been injured before and and we were just in a different part of our journey that's what uh Maria would always say you know it's a journey and you know you're injured now but someone else was injured at one time too and you know we're going to come back from it and i would just try to hang on to that <laughs> to get me through did you have moments where you felt like it would just be easier to just be like all right i'm just not i'm just not going to come back to that because then at least i can take away the expectation and I can, I'll do my rehab and I'm not going to shortchange that. But then ultimately, like if I take that part off the plate, off my plate, then at least I don't have expectations in feeling like I have goals that are unmet. 100% yes, absolutely. Um, I have a triathlete friend, Jen, who's part of our group as well. And she is, was- that, uh, is that Jen Coyle? It is Jen Coyle. <laughs> and um, she was training for Ironman uh, Arizona and she did a half Ironman before that. So she was in the pool a lot and we would train in the pool. And I was like, I was a swimmer in high school. And I even said to her in the locker room one day, maybe I should just like go back to swimming, like reinvent myself and <laughs> do the swimming thing because I've, I've only, you know, the most I've got hurt swimming is like a sore shoulder. Like <laughs> it's not going to let me down. <laughs> and I would kind of resign myself. Like maybe it's just not even worth it. I keep getting hurt. And she would tell me, don't say that. And she would be that friend who would encourage me. And she would say, do what you need to do, but I believe in you. And I think that you're going to pull through. And so as much as it hurt to not be able to run with them, to have them there is totally the reason that I decided to not give up. All right. So besides friends who were obviously super proactive in helping you, and that's that's a huge thing. I'm not going to minimize that at all because because I, I know the people you're talking about and I know how positive they are. And that's a big, big deal. And it's something that most people don't have, frankly. Um, it's, a, it's a very special thing. At the same time, it, you know, did you have other aspects of your life that you felt like kind of helped you, whether that was, you know, different things that maybe you were reading or listening to or things of that nature that kind of helped you that was much more like, your own way of coping? Um, I don't know if it's anything I listen to, but, you know, obviously I have the best family and a super supportive husband who, you know, he even would start swimming with me because he was a swimmer in high school, but, you know, he he's not like a big gym goer. He goes surfing, like that's his thing, but he would go to the gym with me and, you know, because he understood how it was and, how I would go crazy not doing anything and you know he's super supportive and I would just yeah do things to distract myself and do other things that I loved I picked up piano again um I would do a lot of karaoke (laughs) things that I could still do that I love that didn't require too much physical activity and wouldn't hurt me and yeah I mean I did a lot of crafting which is funny I joined like a craft show and did some art and sold some signs and, you know, I tried to branch out and really do other things that 
wouldn't make me sad about <laughs> being hurt and that wouldn't hurt me further. And, um, yeah, sometimes they had nothing to do with running, but it was just what I needed, you know, just to not think about it for a while <laughs> and, uh, you know, do other things that would challenge me. So after your six week break rest period in recovery and you started getting back into it with air and start working on, on some of your strength stuff, what was that process like uh, in terms of what the buildup looked like and how often you would do it and just the, the length of time that you spent, you know, doing this kind of active recovery with certain areas in, in your, you know, your hip and you know, pelvic area? Um, well, I would do physical therapy twice a week for a couple months and then I graduated to only doing it once a month. And um, physical therapy with Aaron is like going to the gym. I would leave there so sweaty and she works on professional athletes and you know professional motor motocross riders and she's not there to coddle you and tell you oh it's it's okay if this doesn't feel good she's you do the work you'll get better you complain and don't do it nothing's going to happen and basically that's her policy she's tough but she knows what she's doing and so I had exercises there, and she said, do them at home. And then once she knew I was well enough, I would start coming to her weightlifting class because she does that too. She does everything. And <laughs> which was perfect, though, because she knew, you know, which exercises I couldn't do or what wasn't good for me. But she also would add in a lot of stuff that would really help me. So um, around, I don't know, probably a month or so after my six weeks off, um, she said, maybe you're ready for a little test run. Um, we'll see if how, how the back feels, but she said your muscles and everything else, you're so much stronger than you were. Oh, she also got me into Pilates, which I still do because what a difference. It helps with my hip mobility and everything. And who knew I needed that? But, um, <laughs> yeah, so Probably mm, a two or three weeks um, after I had done lots of strength. I was doing physical therapy and stuff before my time off also. So once she realized I was strong enough, um, she pretty much cleared me. Maybe test out like a half mile or a mile and see how it goes. Because at that point, my fracture was the main worry because she had seen a great improvement in my strength everywhere else. And could you tell the difference in your strength? Oh my gosh, yes. I couldn't even hold a plank, honestly, for more than like 45 seconds before. <laughs> um, with her physical therapy and, you know, doing lots of Pilates work and stuff, I started being able to, like, there was a plank challenge on Instagram and I was like, maybe I'm ready for this. And I was starting to hold planks for like four minutes or so. So What? I, four minutes? Yes. <laughs> Yes. And it's all because, you know, and my, my, it, everything came from the core. Like I said, when I first started feeling it, it was my lower abs. So, um, they were just really weak <laughs> and I didn't know it. Yeah. Because in retrospect, you know, certain areas of your body that are, like, are not like obviously weak. You know, it's like you look in the mirror and be like, Oh, let's look at these things. You know what I mean? Like, obviously like if you're, you know, 
I guess I should put it this way. Like there, there are certain things where you can tell if, if you're, if you're weak in certain areas. And I feel like there are other muscle groups that aren't necessarily um, obvious in that sense until you get injured. Right. That's like the, that's like the red line. It's like, all right, I didn't know this was weak until I'm now you know on the shelf and I can't run anymore. So when you started working those areas, besides like, oh, now I can plank for three times as long as I used to, could you just tell just in your walking around, you know, day-to-day stuff? Or was it just one of those things where you would notice it when you were doing, you know, athletic type maneuvers? Um, no, I could tell, I could, you know, it used to be like painful to even squeeze my knees together. Like I said, like pillow squeezes <laughs> was my exercise. My adductors were just shot from the osteitis pubis that is just like an inflammation of the pubic symphysis where your pelvis comes together. And it made it really difficult to do anything like the adductor machine at the gym. No way. Like it hurt me just to look at that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I would like test it out sometimes and be like, can I squeeze? And it doesn't hurt. (laughs) And yeah, you can tell you you stand up straighter. You just you walk easier. I mean, I was just weak (laughs) and I had been injured and weakened even more. But I yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's why even to this day, I'm still sticking to it because if I don't do all that strength routine, I lose it. You could tell how quickly you lose it, even if you just miss like a week. Yeah. And when you got back into your little, you know, your, your short running tests and then kind of progressing into, you know, short runs and walk runs and stuff like that, how worried were you that you were going to do something that was going to, you know, kind of inflame that area while knowing obviously that you trusted Aaron, but did you, did you have this overarching worry that things were going to go bad again? Um, actually not at that time anymore. Cause it was kind of like, what else do I have to lose? I haven't run in a year. Like <laughs> this is, if I have to wait a few more weeks, it's not going to feel like that much to me. And it's funny looking back on the femur, I thought like five months was like the end, four or five months was the end of the world. And how did I take so much time off at this point when I'm almost to a year marker? I'm like, you know, I took the time off. What do I have to lose? Um, I will say that before my six weeks off, I had tried a few test runs that, you know, confirmed I really needed the six weeks off. So I knew the signs to look for. I knew what it was going to feel like if something was still wrong. Um, But yeah, I just decided, um, and this is my wonderful, supportive husband, would go on, he doesn't even like running, but he would go on little half-mile, mile runs. Um, Sometimes we would take my dogs just to make sure I would run really slow. And we'd be very careful And I told him, like, okay, you're here and you're going to stop if something happens. But at that time, I could kind of tell how much stronger I was. And I knew that six weeks on crutches, after nine months of having the fracture in the first place, um, I don't know, I just finally had a good feeling about it. So um, I went for it. I went really slowly. And I kind of stayed off Instagram for this time. while I was coming back, just in case it was another disappointment, I will say in the back of my mind, I was like, uh, 
I had tried to start and stop a couple times and been like, oh, just kidding, false alarm. <laughs> so when I started again, I kind of quietly did it and um, just ran one mile, one mile again the next day, maybe like 1.5, you know, the most gradual increases you can imagine um, until finally I was like, Aaron, I think I, I think it's actually better. <laughs> and what was it like? Having that feeling of like, all right, I lost, and I was in such good shape. I'm saying, I'm saying, I, I mean, you. I'm talking as if I'm <laughs> you here. Like, like, you were in such great shape, but you'd experience something. You're in a three or four marathon. It's huge. It's an unbelievable accomplishment. And here you are, exactly a year and a half later, and you're like, I ran a mile. And it's like, obviously, you're excited because here you're coming back. Did it feel like, getting back to your previous self in terms of your fitness level and achievement and things like that was possible? Or did you view it like, okay, maybe the marathon just isn't for me and maybe I'm focus on shorter distances and do more swimming. Like where, once you were to the point where running wasn't an issue anymore, right? Like you're healthy, you can now do this. What were some of the things that you wanted to achieve with your newfound health? Honestly, when you're out for that long and have thoughts of never, ever, ever running again, like just to be able to run again is at that time all I wanted. I was like, you know, I, maybe I was just too hard on myself about times. Like, you know, me wanting to sub three is what landed me in that injury boat. And maybe I just, I just thought I'm going to take a step back. I'm just going to, when you're a year off of running in any way, you don't care if it's fast or not <laughs> when you come back. You don't care if it's long. You don't care if it's fast. You just want to run again. And that was me at that time. I was like, I could run whatever right now and be totally happy just that I'm running. It could be a 10K. It could be a 5K. It could be just running with my friends. At that time, I was like, I am just going to start running again and see how it goes. If I'm never, you know, as fast as I used to be again, that would be just fine because that's just how much I missed just doing what I love to do. That's a wonderful sentiment. But I think we all know that that feeling doesn't last forever, right? Like all of a sudden, as your reality changes, so does your perspective. So when did your perspective on what your body can accomplish and what you wanted to accomplish start to change? Um, now or, <laughs> um, let's see. Well, now that I'm actually back to I mean, You're kicking butt now, man. You're like you're out there uh, doing like, like, great runs. And like, you, you know, obviously at this point, like it seems like you're, everything's going super smooth and you're, it seems like you're doing, you know, runs that are similar to what you were doing, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. Thank you. And but my routine is totally different, and um, you wouldn't really know it by I guess I just I run le a lot less days, so I'm still being very careful to not end up in the same boat um, <laughs> that I was. All I cared about before this injury was run, run. You need higher mileage. You need to run more, like to get faster, which is still true. I I you know there's kind of no getting around that, but. For me now, there's other factors involved. So I'm doing weightlifting three times a week and Pilates once a week. 
and running only four to five times a week. And I, I used to run six. And then the other day was just a rest day. Now I basically don't totally rest, uh, maybe once a week, but I take more running rest days and I'm really careful about strength. And I'm finding that maybe it's just a finding what works for you type thing because I know people who can handle 120 mile weeks and not get an injury, but I've kind of found that that's not me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the goal mindsets come back. And, and, but in addition to that, you're also having this job where, you know, you're, you know, you're on your feet constantly. And I think that sometimes people forget, um, not you in this case, but, you know, all of these things are stresses in our lives. And if you're going to be on your feet six hours a day and then doing a ton of running, like, again, that's a lot of on your feet time to say the least. So I, I can imagine that while sometimes we look at just what is what in my exercise routine is leading to injury, you know, that might be too narrow a view for a lot of people. Right. There's a lot of other factors that can contribute. And um, I do notice the fatigue of being on my feet a lot at my job and that maybe that time on the feet, like a lot of those extra miles that people do just for the time on the feet. I'm like, maybe I don't need to stress my body for time on the feet because I already had it. <laughs> so I kind of supplement, you know, I'm kind of doing four days of a little bit longer mileage with the strength training. And since I already have the time on my feet for my job, um, I think it's working out really well for me so far. So I think everybody's different. Everyone has a different situation in their lives. You know, um, we're just all amateurs. We're all, we do this for a hobby. And I think it's important to find what works for our daily lives and what works for our running. And sometimes that could mean running a few days less. <laughs> And what does lifting look like for you? Are you are you in like a class, like a body pump type class, or is it much more like kind of rest rest between the the reps? Um, no, it's constant. It's moving. Um, I do two days a week at Erin's class, which is intense because she's a beast, but she is a runner and she directs a lot of her exercises to be things that runners need strengthening on. And, um, she likes to get the heart rate going and, um, her, her workout is a dumbbell workout and, um, it's very runner specific, but it's, it's full body, but it's intense <laughs> and, um, but it's just what I need. I love her classes and she understands, um, you know, my body and if I need to take a break on something. She's never going to call you out or anything, but it's fun to see the progress because I'm, you know, when I first did her class, I would do it, you know, like once a week when I was running before I got injured. And, um, the first time I came back to her class after, you know, going through all this injury stuff and going through physical therapy, just the first time after physical therapy, she said, that's the strongest I've ever seen you in my class. Um, even when you were running fat, you know, running 124 halves, you never looked that strong. So that was like really big encouragement for me. And then I do one barbell class on Friday, um, 
with another runner. Her name's Amanda. Um, and she's a beast as well. And her, her class is a little more, um, rep based with a little bit of breaks and not quite as high intensity cardio as Aaron's, but still totally awesome. And, you know, runners know what runners need. So I'm really lucky to have found good instructors who really push me and, you know, make me a better runner, even though it's not running, it, it really helps. Yeah, I bet. And I think that's also like, you're in those kinds of classes. Obviously, it's not the same as like, you know, a track workout or something like that. But the, but you are testing, you know, your your fitness in those classes, you know, especially you know, potentially anaerobic as well, because you're, you're, you're working hard, you're breathing hard. I've been in those classes. And if you're kicking, if you're kicking butt in those things, like, that's not a rest day on any level. No. And I feel like if I do these workouts on my own or I have home equipment just in case I can't make it, but I feel like I need the push and it really helps to have someone guiding me. And I've just seen really great improvement and it's just really exciting. And I never thought I would like it. And I was one of those people who was like, "Uh, I just want to run. Running's more fun. I don't want to lift weights. It's boring. Blah, 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 blah. But like I said, I think I said this a couple of posts ago, I didn't like running when I first started doing it either. It was really, really hard. Like my first running post on Instagram like six years ago says hashtag I hate running. So, I mean, things change. You got to, you know, keep at it and you'll see the improvement and you'll really start to like it. And I have. I really have. So let's talk about how, you know, how you're doing now with your running. Obviously you've talked about your routine, which is really helpful. And I really appreciate you diving like into like the nitty gritty of it. How are, how is your running now? And what are you hoping to do in the short term, long term? Um, it's, it's going really well. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm still on the low ish mileage side. I hover around 40 to 45 miles. Um, but but that's not that low for four to five times a week. That's true. I know that I credit Erin for that also. <laughs> um, but uh, she she does big things, you know. She she's pacing a full. She does pacing for full marathons. She can sit there and run a full marathon and hold a sign and talk to someone for three hours because she's just like that. So um, it's kind of routine for her to do double digit runs. So. Um, but I'll go with her when I can, but she's also super understanding when she knows I can't run as far. Um, like for our, some of our workouts, so, okay, let's run on the treadmill so that you can just hop off when you're done and we can still run together. And it's kind of nice in that way to have a training partner who is totally understands your body, like probably better than you do and knows your own limits better than you do. And, you know, she's, she you know, pushes me to be better, but also keeps me in check sort of way (laughs) so that I don't do this to myself again. Um, but yeah, the training's going really well. I do one speed workout, um, a week and I've kind of thrown my tempo miles in the middle of my long run so that I don't have to do like three hard runs a week. Um, it's just, I'm finding the balance because I've, you know, still only been back for a few months but I'm seeing what works for me and then I'm starting to see total improvement doing what I'm doing. And it's just so nice. Sometimes I come home from a workout and go, 
nothing hurts, like pinch me. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm starting to feel, you know, not even like my old self, just like a new, different, better runner. <laughs> and what would be something you would say to a person who is kind of stuck in the middle of what you have experienced, right? They're in the doldrums of, okay, I'm not, you know, like you have these highs and lows with recovery, right? So you have like, all right, I got injured, so I'm, I'm really low. And then you get the diag the prognosis, and then all of a sudden you're back into PT, and you're like, okay, like I'm doing PT now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm excited, we're moving. And then it's like, okay, well, I've done PT for six weeks, and like when is this going to end? Like if someone's at like that point, right, they're like they're working through it, but it's still lingering, and they feel like it's never going to go away. What is something that you would tell an individual who's stuck in that moment? Uh, yeah, I know what it is like to be stuck where you are. <laughs> and I totally understand the feeling that it's never going to end. And you don't even want to hear, you'll get through this. You're going to come back stronger. And you think, yeah, thank you. It's, it's a nice sentiment, but, you know, <laughs> when? <laughs> but just don't give up. Don't give up. There's certain things where you need that. You you know, being sedentary is not going to fix certain things. And, you know, you can't just do the therapy when you're at therapy. You got to do your homework and you got to work hard. And um, Erin tells me the patients that make the progress. Yeah, I always thank her. Like, thank you for bringing me back. You're the best. And she's like, you wouldn't be back if you didn't do your homework. Just work hard. Even when you're feeling down, you know, your body needs it, whether it's for running or not. Like, I was in constant pain. I needed the physical therapy to stop being in pain in general, not just to come back from running, you know. Um, but just do not give up. And I know it sounds totally cliche, but it's true. You're, you, you need your mind to stay tough so that your body can follow. I can't think of a better way to end it than what you just said. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for hopping on. And congratulations with all of your recovery and coming back to full strength. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be back. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Also, thank you to our sponsors, Nutso, Koros, and Prevenex. I love all of these brands so much. You can find the links and promo codes in the show notes. So go check them out there. Also, if you subscribe to my newsletter on theramblingrunner.com, you can get emailed all the different uh, specials that I have with different brands. Also, we're going to be doing every week or two a new uh, newsletter featuring either kind of like a blog post or something that's going on with the podcast that you might want more information on. I just sent one out on Saturday featuring how you can thank a recent or not even recent guest that you listen to. And that's a huge thing. So many people send notes to past guests saying, hey, I really appreciated this episode and it meant a lot to me or it was impactful in some way. And now we're going to be doing thank you segments at the end of every episode. So if you email me, ramblingrunnerpodcast at gmail.com with just a short thank you note that you would like for me to read during a podcast, either in March or at any point in the future, please do just that. Thank you so much for listening, rating, and reviewing the show, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. 
Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.